This is the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess, and we're learning how to exercise for an easier labor in episode number 157. Welcome to the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast, the tips, tools, and straight talk you want for pregnancy, childbirth, and bringing up baby. And now your host, Kristen Burgess. Hi ladies, it's Kristen from naturalbirthandbabycare.com. I am really excited to be bringing you a guest this week, and I'm also really excited to share with you that the Facebook group has finally gotten off the ground. You can check out the Facebook group by going to naturalbirthandbabycare.com slash group. That's naturalbirthandbabycare.com slash group, and that'll take you right to the group. I'll tell you a little bit more about it in a future podcast episode, but right now I want to get right into it with Deb Flaschenberg from the Prenatal Yoga Center in New York. She is going to talk to us about exercise and about how exercise can help during labor and birth and also how sometimes it can possibly cause problems for labor and birth and how to make sure that you get in the type that helps. So with that, let's turn it over and talk with Deb. Hi ladies, this is Kristen from naturalbirthandbabycare.com and I am super excited to be here with a guest on the podcast today. I am here with Deb and Deb is a prenatal yoga instructor. Deb Flaschenberg has paved the way for how prenatal yoga is taught. As the founder of the Prenatal Yoga Center in New York City, Deb created a class in which yoga and childbirth education is blended perfectly, enabling pregnant people to feel confident in making decisions about their birth and path into parenthood. She has worked with thousands of new and expectant parents and has trained hundreds of new prenatal yoga teachers. Her approach to prenatal yoga is influenced by her background as a labor support doula, certified Lamaze childbirth educator, pelvic floor yoga teacher, and a mother of two. For the past five years, Deb has also greatly enjoyed being the host of her own podcast, Yoga Birth Babies, where she speaks with some of the world's leading experts in pregnancy, birth, breastfeeding, and parenthood. So I'm super excited to have you here, Deb. Thank you for being here. Thank you. It's really fun to be on the other side of the interview table and also to speak to you because I've listened to you for years and like your voice has been in my head. (laughs) Sure, people say that like, so now to talk to you, it's it's fun. So I'm a little fangirling right now. (laughs) Oh, thank you. That feels really good to hear. Thank you for sharing. Okay. So Deb, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? And especially, I love to know how you got interested in helping mamas and babies. Sure. So I started off many moons ago as a musical theater performer, and I was doing that for a while. And it started to get to this turning point where I would think, oh, I don't know if I want to go to this ballet class. I'd rather go to a yoga class. And so that started to put me in the direction of maybe it was time to shift things. And then I started as a Bikram yoga teacher and very soon into my training, I realized that was not the path for me because there wasn't a lot of exploration. There wasn't a lot of looking at the individual and seeing who that person is, what they need. And someone mentioned right after my training prenatal, and this was 20 years ago and there wasn't a lot of prenatal, but it seemed like such an underserved community and such a community that really serves the individual because we know each birth is different, each baby's different, each pregnancy is different. And I really wanted to look at someone as an individual and, and honor that and try to foster that. So that's what led into the prenatal world. Plus my 
mother does marketing. She said, people are always going to be pregnant and they're always going to want support. And I thought that is true. Um, and it was just, it was a field I, I fell into, but then I really started to fall in love with the idea of helping people advocate for themselves. Once I actually started seeing births, once I got into that doula world, I realized there was a lot of need to invite people to find their own voice. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. Totally. I love it. I love hearing how people get into birth work. So yeah, it certainly wasn't by having kids <laughs> that came many years later. <laughs> I, 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 I was a birth and baby fan before I had kids too. So I hear you on that. Okay. So, and in my experience, many women come to exercise during pregnancy and they kind of, they feel like it's obligatory, like they're supposed to do it, or mm. they think about it as like a method to control weight gain in pregnancy. Now, do you, do you come from those points of view or do you see it differently? Yes and no. So I see it differently, but if I'm going to be honest about my own experience being pregnant, but again, I will also just let your listeners know, I don't think I have the healthiest relationship with body image. So let's just put that out there. So I came at it from my own experience, definitely being mindful of, of weight, but as a teacher, I look at it differently. So I'm kind of speaking out of both sides of my mouth there. So as a pregnant person, yes, I get maybe the mindset and, and the anxiety around body change. Yeah. But as a teacher, I see yoga, not as exercise. It really, to me, that's what I did cardio, like cardio is my exercise, but I see yoga as, as an opportunity for exploration. When I'm on the yoga mat, it's my chance to actually leave everything else aside. I kind of feel like it's my little lily pad of space. It's like my mental vacation and yoga just has so many levels, especially prenatal yoga of what it can teach us about our bodies, pregnancy, birth, that I think is so beyond just exercise. So I'm yeah. kind of answering the question on both sides, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think that's really valid. I think that women need to hear that. I was doing a live stream in my Facebook group a couple weeks ago, and I was talking about how you know, my own struggles with body image and that, you know, really resonated with women. So I think that women need to hear that, like, especially when they see somebody like you or me who is active in the birth world and who's talking about healthy pregnancy and this, that, and the other, and they need to understand that, you know, that we can see deeper and that there are deeper things that are going on. And there's a way to honor, to honor that through your practice and what you're doing during pregnancy. Yeah. I, I am so appreciative when people take the time to come onto the yoga mat because it, I, when I, when I teach feels like it's more of an homage to yoga, like it's not class, it is some classical yoga, like we're going to do your warrior poses, but my approach to it is to use the asana as a tool to start to explore how the body can birth, like all the different ways the body can birth. And like one example is, can we be safely uncomfortable in a yoga? pose and start to look at now I'm uncomfortable. I'm mentally and physically uncomfortable. What do I do with that? And it's kind of like a contraction. Yeah. Like when you're in the middle of it, you can't get out of it. You can want to get out of it, but you can't get out of it. And if we can start to raise that tolerance and that threshold, we can stay in the poses, even if they're uncomfortable. And we can teach ourselves about all the different relaxation skills and the relax and the coping skills. And I think yoga is just a tool 
to open up all these possibilities because we don't know how births can unfold. Yeah. But we can start to explore what we can do when we're uncomfortable. I mean, let's face it, like parenthood is uncomfortable. <laughs> and that's <laughs> not longer. <laughs> very uncomfortable at times and that's longer than birth. So I think we can use the yoga in such a deeper way than just, than just the physical aspect. Yeah. That's really beautiful. I like that. Yeah. I was actually, it's kind of ironic because I was just thinking earlier today, you know, because I'm always thinking about the women that I'm serving and I was pondering, you know, when I'm hearing them talk about their anxieties about birth or their worries about birth and you know, will I be able to do it? And I think that some, that there's something deeper there that in some ways that's saying, you know, how, how will I be as a mother? Because birth is just the catalyst for this much bigger journey. And so, yeah, thinking about how this, you know, this practice of yoga and just this awareness and being able to be in the uncomfortableness and how that practice can serve, uh, even as we move forward in parenting is really beautiful. And I think it can also teach us to trust ourselves and to advocate for ourselves. I tell my students all the time that I'm just offering suggestions, but I really want them to make decisions. And if that's not, you know, an idea of how to approach birth, you know, I don't know what it is because I feel like so many times people are told when laboring what to do, and they're not often given choices. And they, and they, sometimes they really need to advocate for themselves. They need to be decision makers, not just, you know, their handheld of this is what you should do. So I think again, yoga can offer that decision-making um, that again, exercise in a sense may not. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Okay, now this is a big question and this is one that I find an enticing question and informative question. And so when we were talking about doing this episode and you said, I can, you know, I can touch on this, I was really hooked. And that is, can exercise actually make labor more difficult? Oh, that is a big question. And I'm going to come at it from some anecdotal parts as well as some awareness of the body. So... I think exercise, certain exercise can create imbalances in the body and that may lead to a more difficult labor. So let me, let me talk a little bit more about what I mean by that. So we know for the body to give birth vaginally, there needs to be some suppleness. We need less tension, less constraints. So Okay, we made a little anatomical here. So we have all these ligaments that attach to the uterus, um, many to the cervix. And if they're tight or torqued, that can constrain the uterus from its natural shape. And that can prevent the baby from finding its descent and rotation. Mm-hmm. And so if we're and then we can also start to have imbalance in the soft tissue and the muscles, like the psoas, the pelvic floor, if there's imbalances in the actual bony pelvis. So if we're constantly repeating Repeating certain movements or constantly adding tension, it's that can constrain and cause less ability for baby to find an ideal position, as well as the softness for the baby to descend. We know that about 70% of babies that are posterior are not going to be able to be born vaginally. They're going to be a surgical birth. And then if there's just a lot of tension in the pelvis and the pelvic floor, it may be hard for baby to descend. So if we continue to create imbalance, it can lead to, or I shouldn't say can, because I don't know hundred percent. I'm going to say it, it is more likely to lead 
or more difficult birth, we're really constantly looking for a balance, not to engage, not too soft, that perfect balance. Cause we need tone, we need support, yeah. but we don't want it so tight that there's no give. Okay. That makes sense. That so answer your question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So just going into that a little bit more. So let's say that a woman, like, I, I feel like you can probably address, like, say a woman enjoys, like she enjoys her exercise or something. Now, how could a practice like prenatal yoga or something like that help her to balance out, you know, if she's doing something that, that is more quote unquote exercise like, how can that help her find that balance and suppleness? Prenatal yoga, I think it depends again, how it's approached. The way that I approach it is to look for pelvic balance. So the bony pelvis, the sacroiliac joints, the pubic bone, how's that aligned as well as learning to relax the pelvic floor. So when I did my pelvic floor teacher training with Leslie Howard, she estimated that about 40% of women had a very engaged pelvic floor. So we need to learn how to soften and relax that. So we focus on things like, it's called the reverse Kegel. So instead of toning, engage, and, and, and lift, mm-hmm. what's it like to soften, receive, and lengthen those muscles? And then in yoga, we look at a lot of poses that can encourage the pelvic floor to get some stretch. And one of the best ways to get that release of the pelvic floor is breathing, just simply functional breathing. So again, I'm coming at this from that crazy person that did way too much. Like my first pregnant, I I out myself all the time on this. My first pregnancy, I did everything I would tell my students not to do. I literally on the day I started labor, I was ready to go to the gym. I was 40 weeks. I was like on my due date, ready to go to a spin class. And I thought, okay, if these contractions stop, I can make the 10 o'clock class. Like I was that crazy person. (laughs) And from that, in in, in hindsight, I'm like, that wasn't the smartest choice, but think about cycling. It's hard, you know, that that posterior pelvic floor can get tight, the psoas can get tight. And so it wasn't a huge surprise in hindsight that I had a 42 hour labor, that it took five hours to push my child out. Cause while his head was down and the spine was forward, his head, his head was asynclitic. So his ear is to his shoulder. And yeah. that doesn't surprise me in hindsight, because I'm quite sure my pelvic floor coming from a dance background was rather engaged and probably in balance. Probably one side was tighter than the other. Yeah. And then cycling really engages the psoas and the psoas cradles the uterus. So I'm not surprised that due to my crazy, I'm not calling anyone else crazy, but my crazy intensity <laughs> added to a lot of tension. And I probably would have been a good person for an epidural. I didn't because I did, I had a home birth, but this is where the epidural can actually, for a body that is so tight, could actually be a tool to relax the pelvic floor. I think it would have benefited my labor because pushing for five hours did a number on my body. Yeah. You probably felt pretty bruised after that. I mean, my pelvic floor was just, it it was, it was, it was a sad situation after that. So let's talk about if a woman, so if there's a woman who was like, you know, first pregnancy you and is really gung ho about intense exercises, 
what kind of changes might, you know, might she consider making to her practice to help, you know, to help facilitate that softening before. So she, you know, cause many women listening are going to want to give birth naturally. So how could she work on that to help facilitate that? Right. I think looking at a few things coming back to the breath work, so she could be focusing on as much if she really wants to do the intensity again i don't want to tell people what to do with their births if she wants to keep the intensity find the other side to that so maybe she is still running or keeping whatever it was up but then dedicate some time to breath work we know so the whole idea about the breath work is if we have proper diaphragmatic breathing then when we inhale, the rib cage opens up kind of like, like a umbrella opening, the transfers should expand all of that downward natural pressure from the diaphragm gives the pelvic floor a really gentle stretch. We're not pushing anything down. It just gently helps soften the pelvic floor. The pelvic floor and this respiratory diaphragm should work together. So just balancing things on the other side. Okay. We're getting some breath work in. I'm working on not the engaged pelvic floor, but the relaxed pelvic floor. And then I'm also a huge fan of body work. You know, go see a physical therapist. They especially can give a pelvic floor physical therapist. They can give some solid information on what's really going on with your pelvic floor. We might actually have some uh, very intense athletes that maybe their pelvic floor is balanced, but if they can work with a professional that can give them the feedback, because they actually then see that PT and they'll be like, wow, there is tension up there. We need to relax it. So they can still enjoy that intense exercise or whatever they're doing. But on the other side, if they're looking to have a vaginal birth, an unmedicated vaginal birth, set themselves up for the success of work with the PT, find out if there's tightness, try to find the counter to that, the relaxation. And I'm also a fan of chiropractors that do the Webster technique that can really help create that balance. Yeah, I was, as you were talking earlier, I was actually going to ask you, you know, are there any professionals that you feel would be beneficial for women? So I definitely, yeah, I've seen where chiropractors and such can really, and then I had, I had a client recently who shared that I think it was a physiotherapist that she had worked with who she felt made a really big difference. So yeah, I think that's really good. I, I know that that for me, people can still go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. As you say, that way people can still have the lifestyle they want without it causing harm to their body. Cause what I have seen, what I experienced is if we are so tight heading into birth and it causes a really challenging birth, then the rehab after is keeping them away from that exercise that they love. So if their pelvic floor was really damaged, then they may not be back running so quickly because they might be dealing with incontinence or or some pelvic organ prolapse. So if they find how to take care of their body prior to birth, they'll get back to what they want quicker. But I'm really curious what you were going to (laughs) say. Yeah, I was, um, let me try and think. Well, I was going to say that I know that one of the things that really benefit, I'm, I, I, I will admittedly say that I have never been a huge exerciser. I enjoy like my body and feeling my body, but I know that when I was pregnant with my first and I was asking my midwife for suggestions on what to do. And she kind of connected me with prenatal yoga and that kind of body work. And I know that I really felt like that 
kind of, you know, that helped me tune in and that gain that awareness of my body that you're talking about. And like that awareness of softening and relaxing. Um, and I know that when I, it's kind of funny. I, I still like, even though Phoenix, my youngest is three now. And so it's been a while since I've given birth, but like when I'm talking, like when I'm listening to you talk, like I can feel like my body kind of like, I'm just, I can picture those areas that you're talking about. And I'm actually thinking maybe I should put up some pictures with this podcast episode to help women see, but I really do feel like when you make it a, a practice, it can help, you know, it can help counterbalance those other things, including just tension in your daily life and soften. And it's just a nice part of mindfulness practice. I was, I was doing some mindfulness training and the teacher, he was asking, you know, what are you feeling in all this when he was, when he was doing this guided mindfulness thing. And I was like, I'm thinking about birthing a baby. And I think he was just really confused, <laughs> but it was because I've conditioned my body that that kind of softening is related to birthing a baby. So, um, but yeah, I just really do. I like the way that you talk about, you know, a woman can keep that, whatever that practice is that feels good to her, but also bring in that counterpoint. And I do, cause I, and I think what you just said to cap that off about how she may not make the recovery as quickly as she does, if she hasn't gained this awareness is important because one thing, like one thing that happens is relax. And then all those other pregnancy hormones, they just change the way that your body works in pregnancy. And sometimes women don't, they don't realize that until afterwards and those hormones go and it's like, ouch, so I do like that beautiful, you know, kind of that beautiful, also leaning into that relaxation and that softening. I love the word soften because I feel like it's just sometimes when we relax, when people tell us to relax, we tense up, but that softening, I think really helps us go, go into what we need to do to, to let these babies out. <laughs> yeah. We can't, we can't go at birth in a tight manner. Like who's ever, engaged, you know, like squeezed to get that baby out. You might push gently, but we have to soften. I've been really into spinning babies for the last, I don't know, five years. And they so much conversation about the importance of softening, of yeah. releasing that tension. Um, I incorporate some of that into my classes, but I don't think as a society, we embrace the idea of softening. If anything, it's about going harder. I remember yeah. years ago, my husband came home. I mean, this was like years ago and I don't, he must have run like a garage sale or something because it was a VHS video. And I'm sure some of your listeners were like, what's that? Um, <laughs> it, was like, it was like buns of steel and abs of steel for pregnancy. And I swear, I thought it was a joke. I'm like, oh, that's so <laughs> funny. And so then, and I didn't have a VCR because like, what's VCRs nowadays? And so I didn't have a VCR to see it, but I was dying to see it because we have this idea that everything has to be hard and solid. And, you know, like who has a six pack when they're pregnant, but the idea of softening can be overwhelming for a lot of people, especially if they've worked really hard to have a certain physique. Yeah. So I like the idea of softening because we have to soften to let those babies out. It can't be so hard. We got to let everything release. And I, and also if we continue to kind of like what you're saying with your meditation teacher, that when you heard that relaxing in your body went into like, oh, 
relaxed birth. That's something we actually try to do in class. We keep practicing these methods so that we can come as soon as we hear, maybe it's a mantra or maybe it's counting or a guided imagery. If we can keep practicing that, then when we start to hear it or or bring it into our awareness, our bodies respond quicker. Oh, you're you're doing the the sound of Brikti breathing. My body's already relaxing. So we can start to create like a training for, for birth in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's one thing I tell moms. It's like, you can't literally, you can't literally practice giving birth like an athlete or an artist. She might practice her craft again and again, literally, but we can, in addition to mental, we can practice some aspects of it. Like I encourage moms, you know, when you're sitting on the toilet, you're going to do that dozens of times a day when you're pregnant. So you can practice that softening when you're there. And then and especially when having a bowel movement, I mean, the, the pressure feeling is very similar. So when that baby's head comes, there's that familiarity with that, you know, and, and I think you said it, cause you know, there is a little bit of pushing, but really I found that in having my babies, it's, I mean, your body is going to push and it pushes hard, but it's much more about that opening of the pelvis. And I think so many women are concerned about tearing or they're concerned about just this feeling of like, just totally kind of losing it and being out of control. And that's where, you know, this practice and this focus on softening really helps because it, it doesn't literally put on the brakes, but mentally it gives you somewhere to go and something that your body's been conditioned to do. So I really think it's a beautiful, I think it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. It's funny you bring up about the controls. That's been a theme that's been coming up in my classes a lot with my students. So we start every class with circle time where everyone says their name, even on Zoom. We still, and now I call it the checkerboard or everyone, (laughs) I'm going to call on someone, they say their name and how far along they are in aches or pains or issues. And the idea of lack of control has been coming up a lot. And I get it, you know, like I'm a type A, so I get that. But when we start to relate it to the idea that birth is birth is out of control and but what we can what we have some control is of our breath and we have control of feeling of the preparation for it again it's not a recipe we don't have you know it's not like birth pie where we can put all the pieces in and (laughs) it comes but (laughs) which would be nice again that's the control but if we can approach it with i've done everything i can I've surrounded myself with people that are going to hear and support me. And then all I can do is let the path unfold. I think that can help relinquish that control. Cause again, we relate that to babies is that's a false sense of control. Like (laughs) as they grow up, like we can think we have control over our kids. We don't, at least I will say I recognized there's only so much control. I can make suggestions. My kids have to make those decisions. Yep. Yep. You can kind of provide, that's what I talked about on this past live stream is like, we kind of provide this atmosphere that holds our kids, but they, they really make decisions within that. And you have to let go of that mama guilt and know that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I feel like one of the reasons women have anxiety in particular right now, as we're recording this, we're still in the middle of the COVID pandemic. So I think that that, that creates some of that additional anxiety, but I agree with you. It's, I think focusing on those things like that breath work that are within us helps give you that kind of that inner peace that, that there is something that you can do. And also I think breath is so powerful because if you do feel like something is really intense or you're losing it, then somebody can help you 
between a contraction, use that breath to get back and then shift positions or something to help, you know, change things up so that you're ready for the next one. So I really do feel like breath is a powerful tool for women. Breath and also I think the pause between contractions is really powerful. We talk a lot about that in yoga, that it's not just about the asana, the pose and trying to get ourselves through that. But if we can take that pause between the poses, kind of shed, release, then we can be ready for the next. And that's like a contraction too. We don't want to head into the next one, carrying the work and the tension from the one we just had. So using the breath, find the pause, you know, celebrate the pause and then (laughs) approach the next. In fact, I try to do that just in general life. I fail miserably most of the time, but I try to enjoy that, that pause. Yeah. I like that. Celebrate the pause. I think I'm going to, I'm going to mull on that one in my own life for a few days. (laughs) That's good. That's really good. Okay. So how can a woman, and we've already touched on this quite a bit, actually, really, but how can a woman use movement during pregnancy to develop consciousness and awareness that then helps her during birth? I think she could start to use movement to help prepare her body. I think she can also use movement to recognize that there's some daily poses that she can do that can actually translate to labor. So, and I think that comes back to that confidence that, all right, I've got a whole toolbox. I know that I can get on all fours. I know that I can slow dance. I know I can move my hips. I know that I can use my breath. There's, there's something I discovered years ago when I was a singer that there, and I'm not the first one, but it did have a light bulb moment for me that there's a connection between the throat and the pelvic floor that I was in the middle of a singing lesson and my, my teacher turned the page and there was like the big money note at the end. And I was still at the top of the page and I saw it and I got tense. Like I, even though it was well in my range, it was like, I was in my head. I'm like, here it comes, here it comes. And I got really tight. And so she had me fold over and just breathe and then get up and move my hips. Like I had a hula hoop. And I don't know if it was the distraction or the softening of the hips, but then the notes came spinning out. And so I realized that the throat and the pelvic floor, if I can relax my pelvic floor, my throat's going to be open. So I say to my students, open throat, open vagina. And so (laughs) we practice that in class. And I practice the idea that if I'm tight, can I, uh, can I open? And when I was attending births, I would listen to the sound. If it was screechy and tight, I would invite them to open their throat, relax their pelvic floor. In fact, during my second birth, I was in the shower and there's a moment where I'm like, that's a nice sound. Like I was able to <laughs> step outside the contraction and be like, that sounds pretty good. <laughs> but you know how we can start to, on a daily level, come into our breath, relax our body, find familiarity with these poses, these experiences that we can apply directly to birth. So again, it's about the confidence that we we're stacking the cards in our favor, that we've done all the steps and then we just have to trust the process. Yeah. Yeah. And I like it as you were talking, it came to me that I know that one of the things that you emphasize is like, is, is, you know, being there kind of as a guide, but also honoring that this is her journey and she gets to do it her way. And so I really like the way that you've presented kind of all these different things. And then, you know, for the, for the woman listening to this, she can take that and just kind of experiment and play with it. And that's one of the things I tell women in my classes is, you know, 
you don't have to do any of this when anybody's around to see you, you know, you can just mm -hmm. play with this when it's just you or when it's just you and your little kids who think it's tons of fun anyways, to see mommy doing all this weird stuff. And, you know, I think that is just part of it, just playing with it and feeling what you think works for you. And I just, I really like that, you know, kind of how you've touched on all these different things for women to really make it their own and then take that to bring that confidence in birth that it, this is their experience and their journey. Yeah, because there's no right way to birth. It's really what's right for the person. And we don't want to put pressure on someone like, this is how you have to do it. Because then if it doesn't go that way, then there might be like a feeling of failure. And parenthood is hard enough that we don't need to go in feeling like we failed the first task. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All you mamas are rock stars. So just remember that. <laughs> okay. Now someone- you know, some women are like, you know, you said you're a little type A, I'm a little type A, but one, actually one of the things that I've had fun with is I've done some interviews recently just of subscribers, because I'm always trying to keep in tune with what, what everyone's needs are. And one of the things um, was, it was interesting to hear how like women have changed or worked on their daily practices to, to honor their pregnancy or to meet their needs. So I was just curious about like, how might you describe a typical daily and or weekly kind of movement and exercise practice for the pregnant woman, like for a woman who wants to start feeling out like what feels right to her. If you were talking to a student and she said, you know, what should I do Deb between classes or that kind of thing? What would you suggest? Oh, that's a great question. I would say again, come back to the breath work. So some of it's doing less. So maybe a little bit restorative because many people are constantly doing, I put myself very much in in that category. Yeah. So five minutes of maybe a soup to bada konasana where the, the knees are out or even the other way, knock the knees in to soften the hips and connect to the breath because that's going to be a good mental vacation. And then I think it's important to be mindful of the hips and back and keep them flexible and mobile, yeah. uh, being mindful of how someone rests that we don't want, especially that end of the third trimester, we don't want them hanging on their back. So for daily, if they could get a little bit of downtime to breathe, especially if they have other kids. Yeah. I mean, that is, oh, I can't tell you how many times I have second time parents come back and say, this is so much harder the second or third time. Like, yeah, because the first time it's all about you. And then the second, third, it's, you're like the second, I mean, that's a bigger conversation of why mothers are, <laughs> why mothers are not valued. That's a bigger conversation. That's a big conversation. That's a societal question. But you know, it is harder because they're, the focus isn't on them. So a little bit of restorative, some breath work, because we know the breath work's good for their nervous system. We know the breath work is good for relaxation and then good for the pelvic floor. And then I love getting some cat cow in. That's an all four position where we get a little chest opener and a little rounding of the back and a little rocking back. So that's going to keep the back and the hips mobile. And that's good also for encouraging fetal position where the baby's spine is towards, well, optimal fetal position where the baby's spine is towards the, the pregnant belly. Yeah. So I would say a little cat cow, some body circles, um, working internal rotation of the legs. So I have this pose again, it's, it's a little meshed of the forward leaning inversion with a little yoga. So the forward leaning inversion is a, a thought from or a methodology from spinning babies. But I, I couple that with internal rotation. So when the thigh bones roll in towards the midline, it spreads the sit bones. 
And that can help create a little pelvic floor stretch. So I do it upside down. All right. So listeners, now visualize this. Your feet are about three, three and a half feet apart. And then you're pigeon toeing, not just from your knees, but from your hips, you're internally rotating your thighs. So you're a little, little pigeon toed and then bending your knees, bringing your hands to your thighs. And then ultimately on blocks. So they're not all the way to the floor. So it's like a forward fold. So if anyone knows yoga, it's like a wide legged down dog. Okay. And then they're walking their arms forward and pulling their hips back. And now picture, visualize where the tailbone is. It's up in the air. And then your sit bones and your pubic bones do that diamond of the pelvic floor. So we're getting a little stretch of that upside down. Yeah. And we're getting a gentle stretch of the pelvic ligaments. That's where I'm stealing that from spinning babies. But we're getting that internal rotation, which is great for the SI joints, the sacroiliac joints. It's great for the piriformis, great for the pelvic floor. So we're getting that pelvic floor release. We're getting that alignment of the pelvis and the soft tissue from spinning babies. And it's just, and it feels great for the back, that pregnant spine that gets compressed. So I think that's one of my favorite poses. I do pretty much every class, at least two or three times. So I would say do that. Um, a little cat cow, some restorative, some breathing, and that would be great between classes. Yeah, that's lovely. That and that pose you described just sounds delicious. It really is. It feels so good. In fact, it's one of the few that I'm like, I'm gonna do this along with you as I teach it. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like too, as you were describing that, one of the things that I'm thinking is probably, you know, because you're you're describing all of these, you know, landmarks in the pelvis, which I can picture, but I feel like any woman, like, even if you're like, okay, most people know where their sit bones are, but they're like, okay, well, what is a sacrum and this, that, and the other. But as soon as you learn it, and then you're experiencing that, I feel like, you know, especially as you experience that feeling of that opening of the diamond and everything that that's really valuable to take into birth with you. Because one thing I feel as, you know, speaking of the problems that we have as a society with women is this kind of, uh, you know, this body shame that we do grow up with and this reticence really to, to engage with our bodies or to know our bodies. And especially down there, like one of the things I share with women is when I was a teenager, you know, like there was shame about having a, a period and a cycle and all of that. And you just kind of wanted to cover it up and pretend like it didn't happen. And then when you become this birthing woman and you're like this juicy, wonderful pregnant woman, and I feel like anything that helps us gently, start to develop an awareness of that area that we have probably for many years either ignored or been ashamed of is really had trauma yeah and, and and consciously separated we do pelvic floor work every single class that and i have a pelvic floor model so those that are like i don't know what you're talking about i bring out my model and i'm showing them i'm like here's the vaginal opening. Here are your sit bones. Here's the perineum. Here's the anal sphincter. And I give them permission not to know what they're doing. So as we start to feel what it's like to engage and what it's right, what it's like to release, I remind them you're, you might not know what you're doing, but if we come back to this and start to get to know it, like any other part of our body, there might be an easier relationship with it. And then it's going to be easier for birthing because we really yeah. need to talk about letting go and not feeling, you know, if we start to even think like the hormones of birth, if we feel anxiety or shame or pressure, what's happening to our, our hormones, you're like we're going to get that adrenaline and we don't want that for birth. We need that oxytocin. So if we can get more, get more comfortable in our body with all of our body, I think that can help very much with the birthing process. Yes, definitely. Definitely. 
Okay, Deb, do you have any further words of wisdom that you would like to share to mamas listening? Yes, I'm going to give two. I would say educate yourself about your options because if you don't know your choices, then you then you don't have choices. So education, I think, is super important. Again, that can lead to the confidence. And then if possible, pick a team that's able to support you no matter how your birth progresses. So I have when I teach childbirth that I have all these kind of weird sayings, but there's one that I think about a lot. And I call it picking your team so they can circle the wagons around you. And I just visualize like your team creating this very safe space so that within the circling of the wagons, the birthing person doesn't feel shamed. They can be open. They can be vulnerable. Yeah. I remember I interviewed um, Penny Simpkins and she talked a lot about it's not necessarily that the birth needs to be picture perfect for the birthing person to have a satisfied experience. It's how they're made to feel during the birth. So if the team can really be of support, can hold that space and really respect that person, then even if the birth goes differently than planned, the birthing person can come out feeling positive. So really pick your team, really, if you, if you can, sometimes, you know, who our care providers might be out of our control, but as best you can pick a team that will respect and support you. I think those are my words of wisdom. Most definitely. Yeah. And I love that. Just letting them kind of hold that space so that you're free to be because pregnancy and birth is a beautiful and a vulnerable time. So it's really lovely. Yeah, definitely vulnerable. Okay, Deb, can you let ladies know who are interested in finding out more about you or listening to your podcast? Where can they find you on the web? Oh, I feel like I'm all over. Um, so I have a website, prenatalyogacenter.com, and we've got some free videos. My podcast lives there. It lives on Spotify. My podcast is Yoga Birth Babies. It lives on Spotify and Apple and probably wherever most podcasts are listened to. Um, and then I'm also on Instagram um, at Prenatal Yoga Center and Facebook at Prenatal Yoga Center. Although our Facebook's not as active. We've <laughs> we've had too many birth pictures that were on warning. Um <laughs> We're supposed too many, to be getting better nipples. about that, but yeah, we're, we're, we have a big warning over when I go in saying your account's going to be deleted. Do that again. Again, they're like, they're just birth pictures or like there's one of someone breastfeeding. So our Facebook's not as active as it used to be, but you can definitely find us on Instagram and my website and my podcast. Um, I think those are the main places. Thank you. Well, well, thank you so much, Deb. This has been delightful for me. And I thank you for your time and sharing your wisdom. I just want to thank Deb again for such an incredible podcast. I really enjoyed talking with her and digging into her wisdom and hearing her knowledge. It was a lot of fun and I learned a lot and it helped affirm a lot of things that I've already been teaching and talking about. And I hope that it helped you to figure out how you can balance both the exercise and the activity that you want to do, as well as really getting into your body and gaining some of that awareness and being able to feel that reaction that or that uh, relaxation, that softening, that counterpoint to the exercise and the strengthening. It's just this one of these beautiful gifts of pregnancy. I, I've, I've often said that pregnancy is such a transformational experience on so many levels. And this conversation with Deb helped to underscore that. Just the awareness that it brings to you, the gift that it gives to you with the kind of quote-unquote 
unquote permission to take the time to explore your body and to really to really enjoy feeling that out and to get in a get to know your body again if it's something that you've been shy about like Deb and I talked about during the episode. So I hope that you enjoyed it and I hope that it resonated with you. Again, you can definitely check Deb out at prenatalyogacenter.com or find her on Instagram and Facebook at Prenatal Yoga Center. Definitely connect with her if you would like more from her. I also want to remind you that the Facebook group is live now and I would love to have you in the group. We have got quite a quite a number of ladies joining it's really taken off we're getting questions lots of great discussion it's a lot of fun i know that the beautiful baby and birth pictures are going to be coming soon and i would just love to have you in the group i do a live stream once a week every sunday evening that's based on pregnancy birth baby parenting topics um, so go again to naturalbirthandbabycare.com group to check that out. That'll direct you to the group, naturalbirthandbabycare.com slash group. I hope to see you in there this week. And with that, I pray that you have a blessed week and I will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the Birth, Baby and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess. For great resources and tons more info, visit www.birthbabylife.com. Visit www.birthbabylife.com.